This evening we want to think together about being good leaders. In verses 7 to 12 of the second chapter of Thessalonians. As you know, leadership is a popular theme today. There is a lot of training opportunities. There's a lot of seminars held. There's a lot of courses being offered to religious and secular leaders to develop their abilities in leadership. Catchy slogans are well known, such as, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Or, the task of the leader is to get people from where they are to where they have not been. Or, a good objective of leadership is to help those who are doing poorly to do well, and those who are doing well to do even better. And these slogans and strap lines are helpful to us in a way in understanding some of the aims and goals of leadership. But the question remains as we think of these and think of leadership is, but how do we do this? How do we move boys in the camp from doing poorly to doing well? And those who are doing well spiritually to be doing even better in their Christian life. And 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 7 to 12 really helps us answer that practical question. Boys, you're going to love this sermon tonight. You know, I think the leaders way back at the start of the year, maybe in September after the camp, they had their review and looked at what was good or what was bad. The cooks reviewed the menu and made adjustments. If there was any adjustments to perfection that could be made, of course. And the boys thought, well, you know, we'll go down at Ards again. The leaders says, oh, Davey there, he'll give the boys a good talking to And this will set them up for the week and we'll be able to sit back and see these boys... Model campers for the weekend in Regent House. And if any step out of line, we'll just cite, remember Davy, the minister, you know, he said that. You know, you should be listening to what he said. But the sermon tonight, boys, it's not about you. It's about the leaders. It's how to be good leaders as elders, as ministers, as deacons, as parents, as camp leaders in this week. But as we think about leadership and how to lead and how to lead well, we're also thinking about those who follow, aren't we? So it is kind of about you boys as well. We're thinking of how the leaders act. But in them acting well, they're setting a model and an example for you to follow. The sheep are to follow the shepherd, the campers are to follow the leaders. And so we come to this wonderful passage in 1 Thessalonians in the second chapter, verses 7 to 12, where we have three metaphors, three pictures of good leaders. Infants, mothers, and fathers. 
And we want to think of these three metaphors this evening as we think of good leadership. The first is in verse number seven. See the wording here at the beginning. But we were gentle among you. Now in the English Standard Version, there is a a number, it's the number three beside the word gentle. It directs us to a footnote at the bottom of the page in our Bible, which reads, some manuscripts, infants. Now you may think that to be quite odd. The words gentle and infants are very different in English in the way that they are spelt. But in Greek, there is just one letter that is different between the word gentle and the word infants. Gentle is epi-oi. Infant is nepi-oi. It's just the one letter N at the beginning which is the difference between the word for infant and the word for gentle. And and we can understand how a scribe, trying to copy a a, a well-used manuscript with a candle burning low in in the darkness of the night, perhaps a a little sleepy, could omit that single, single letter. The oldest manuscripts have infants. The later manuscripts have gentle. Shogren comments, this verse contains the most difficult textual problem in these two letters. And I think because the oldest manuscripts have infants, because the context has mothers and fathers, as we'll see shortly, and because the top five commentators recommended by Ligonier Ministries also argue that it should be infants, that this is the best reading for us. Though the words differ a lot in their spelling, infants and gentle, yet they don't differ a lot in their meaning. Because infants are very gentle. Think of this metaphor then. The leader as an infant. It's a very different idea than what we generally have of leaders. Leaders are often harsh and and bold and cruel. One church member here has been telling me that she's studying hard over the summer because she has a difficult teacher to meet when she goes back to school. And that's often our understanding of leadership. But here, this is very different, isn't it? The apostle says, we were infants among you. In the previous verse, he says we could have behaved very differently because we're the apostles of Christ, the direct representatives of Jesus. We could have demanded cash from you. We could have demanded respect and obedience and honor. But in contrast to that, he says, we were infants among you. Humble 
not proud, willing to listen to their needs, concerns and fears, not just to speak, quick to love and to forgive as little children are, resilient and positive and overcoming difficulties. They were optimistic. They did not use any of the adult tricks and pretexts and flatteries, but were innocent, transparent as little children. This is Jesus' rule for us, isn't it? Matthew 18, verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I, we, were infants among you. Humility is a key mark of good leadership, isn't it? Accepting mistakes and taking responsibilities when things go wrong, seeking feedback to improve, reframing our view from me to we, demonstrating openness to learning from the opposing view during during disagreements, accepting what we don't know, seeking to fill our knowledge gaps. Humility will drive the leader in all of those ways. Then this week, elders, minister, deacons, parents, camp leaders, keep this image of infants before you. On your behalf, I googled the attributes of little children, and this is what came up. They have pure expectations. They love because they're loved. They are honest, not afraid to ask questions for fear of sounding stupid. They have trust. They're forgiving. They're dependent. They're happy. They're joyful. And the apostle says, that's the type of men we were in Thessalonica. We were infants among you. Then this week, as elders and ministers in our work, let's be listeners as well as talkers. Let's love as those who are loved. Let's ask questions of others as well as providing answers for others. Let's go into areas that we know nothing about and learn about Star Wars and farming and PlayStation games. We were infants among you. And we will be great, Jesus says, in the eyes of God and in the eyes of others as we adopt the position of a little child. The first metaphor of leadership is infants. The second metaphor in 7b is nursing mothers. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. The metaphor used here adds to this understanding of leadership, doesn't it? It's it's different. It's Moving on from that first metaphor, we were thinking of the the little children, the the gentle child. Now we're moving on to the one who cares for the little child. And this gives us another layer and insight into leadership. Like 
a nursing mother taking care of her own children. The metaphor seems, metaphor seems to refer to a nanny, a person to whom an infant is entrusted to feed, to educate, to care for a nursing mother. That was common in the first century when the apostle was writing and living for rich parents to entrust their child, as still happens today, to a nanny to look after and care for and bring up into the age of 12 and 13 and sometimes beyond. And this great bond was formed often between the child and the nanny, like a nursing mother. Jeannie Green comments, she became a person in whom the child had great confidence throughout his or her lifetime. But perhaps the, the, the apostle here has a, has a twist in his statement. Because you see he says in verse 7, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And perhaps he's thinking of the optimum situation here. Here's a nanny who's educated, who's experienced, who's looking after an infant in wonderful ways, who grows in her knowledge and experience. This is her whole life, 24-7. The parents are away in business in Rome or in Greece or in some other part, but the nursing mother is always with the children. There she is learning, developing, refining her skills. But then he adds at the end, we were like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. All that professionalism, all that skill, all that experience that she gains in her job, she then transfers to her own children and that care is multiplied ten times. Such is the care, and the affection and the love the apostle had for this congregation and leaders are to have for their campers, for their members within the church. Paul applies this then in verse 8 to himself, to Silas, and to Timothy. He says, we were among you as nursing mothers caring for their own children. And this is how we were among you in that way. We had a great love for you, he says in verse 8. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own selves. This is what a nursing mother does 24-7. She's at the beck and call of these children, constantly attending to their needs. She gives herself to them. And the apostle says, that was our experience there in Thessalonica. Such was our affection for you. We gave not only the gospel, the message, and walked out of the church and never saw you to the next Sabbath day, but we were there for you all the time, listening to you, caring for you, loving you, ready to give of our own selves to you. The word he uses in verse number eight is extremely strong, affectionately desirous. It was found on tombstones, of parents who had lost a child. And they would have used this term to encapsulate the longing that they had for this child whom they had lost. Such was the strength and emotion of this group of Paul, Silas, and Timothy for the church in Thessalonica. 
And he goes on to express how they, they gave their affection. And one way in verse number 9 is that they were not a burden to any of you. And the idea here is a financial burden. Rather than drawing a salary from this fledgling congregation, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they labored night and day, he says, in verse number 9. They took up hard labor, probably tent-making, to make ends meet. The phrase night and day perhaps refers to him beginning before sunrise and him working until sunset. Night he began when it was dark and he worked until the sunset. Such was the affection he had for this congregation that he wasn't a burden to them. A nursing mother caring for her own children. Sinead O'Connor, the singer uh, who passed away uh, last week, described in her life and in this last year in particular uh, the distress and affection she had for her 17-year-old son uh, whom she lost about a year ago. She said he was the only one who truly understood her and she missed him so much. This is the word here in, in verse number 8. The great affection of the, the apostle and his team for this people. And in this week, leaders and elders, deacons, parents, let us convey in, in all our interaction with our children, with our campers, with our church members, that we love them. Well, one of the, the, the strains that runs through the, the outstanding film, in my humble opinion, Mary Poppins, it is that blend of fairness and firmness and fun. The affection that is there from the nanny to the children. The whole church really admire the cooks and the leaders. Just like the apostle and his team here. You could be earning overtime this week. Leaders and cooks. You could be lying on a beach in the seashells. But here you are. Serving Christ. Loving. This group of lads. And we are so grateful. And boys I encourage you. To listen to your leaders in this week. They'll encourage you. They'll direct you. They'll answer your questions. They'll correct you. They'll love you deeply like this nursing mother, like this nanny caring for children. And I encourage you to listen to them as they speak to you about your private devotions, your church attendance, your Sabbath keeping, drugs, alcohol, pornography, gender, friendships, Marriage, relationships, education, careers. You'll have many conversations with your leaders. I encourage you to listen to them and to follow them. The third metaphor is fathers in verse number 11. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. In this third metaphor, we have another layer, another dimension of good leadership. The infant emphasized humility. 
that the nursing mother emphasizes affection. The father here emphasizes instruction. And behind this terminology of father within the apostles' time, there lay different understandings of what a father was and what a father should do. The Roman understanding was, was very harsh. And if you have a harsh father, we pray for you, we pity you. Green rights in Roman families, the image of the father was severe and harsh, especially when he warned his children against the temptations of life. There was little compassion and mercy. But the Greek idea of a father was quite different. Plutarch says, representing the Greek Grecian view, that the father should not use beatings, but rather reason, exhortation, counsel, and praise of good conduct to instruct his children to follow virtue and shun vice. But beyond the, the Roman or the, or the Grecian view of fatherhood was the Old Testament understanding of fatherhood. And the main emphasis within the Old Testament is that the father instructed their children. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, You shall teach your children, talking to them when you're sitting in your home, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Here the apostle likens the apostolic team like a father with his children, we exhorted you. The basis of their teaching was their own life and, and this is important for us, isn't it? He, he cites in verse 10, you know that we lived a holy, righteous, and blameless life among us, among you. Holy before God, righteous and blameless before men. They kept the Sabbath, they paid their taxes, and on the basis of living out the life, they exhorted them. Their exhortation was, was earnest. See the three words he uses in verse number 12, exhorted, charged, encouraged them. They came from a pagan background. They were used to lying and, and idolatry and, and drunkenness. But, but they were being shown a new way. And the apostle exhorts them, encourages them in that new way. And the aim of his teaching was this. That they would walk in a manner worthy of God. Verse 12. Who had called them to his kingdom and glory. In the role, his leadership role as a father. He taught them. He exhorted them. He instructed them to walk in a way that pleased God. I don't know if you're watching the World Cup football at this time, lads. Maybe maybe you'll be allowed to watch some uh, this week. But the English player who's outstanding is Lauren James. And it's a wonderful and interesting connection within her life, isn't it? That her brother, Rhys James, also played for England, and they both have played for Chelsea Football Club. Amazing, you say. How can this be? Brother and sister, both playing for Chelsea, both playing for England. Well, the answer is in their father, Nigel James, a professional football coach. Had a motorbike accident at the age of 20. Gave up his playing career and went into coaching. And as his children, Reese and Lauren, have grown up, he's instructed them in football. As leaders, this is a role that we have to teach, 
to instruct, to guide. They draw your attention to a phrase in verse 12. Each one of you. It's brilliant, isn't it? What a leader Paul was. It wasn't this blanket sermons all the time. That was there. But there was also this personal, individual approach. Each one of you. Alongside of the the public worship, there was the private conversation. Pulling out the particular needs and struggles and weaknesses and concerns of each member of the congregation. Each one of you. As a skillful father, he instructed. Let us have this specific approach to church members, to campers, the extrovert, the introvert, the proud, the humble, the confident, the insecure, the bully, the bullied, the confident, the weak, the Christian, the non-Christian, the committed, the flagging. A leader, someone says, must be close enough to relate to others, but far enough ahead to motivate them. The infant, the mother, the father. And the boys here have a question for me, and I know you have a question. And your question is, where's Jesus in this paragraph? Because every time you open your Bible, that is the question you ask, isn't it? Where's Jesus in this chapter? And the answer to your question is, Jesus is all over this chapter. That humility that an infant depicts, he showed. Born in a stable. Nowhere to lay his head riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, crucified naked before the jeering crowds for our salvation, that if we repent and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we will enter heaven. His affection for his people. I've been helped in my ministry early on by by the counsel of, of Charles Spurgeon, the London preacher, that while I've got to love everyone, I don't have to like everyone. I struggle with the English. I I struggle with Man City supporters. I have to love them, uh, but but I don't have to like them. And and Jesus, within his group of disciples, as you'll learn this week, he, he liked some more than others. He loved them all, but he liked some more. Peter, James, and John. There's a father. He instructed the crowds with his parables. He instructed his disciples in the upper room. He instructed individuals on the way to the cross. And he instructs us now, at this very moment, through the preached word and by his spirit as he sits in heaven. And we need this leader in our life. If you're not yet a Christian, you need this leader this Savior, this Lord Jesus, who is humble, who is the teacher, who loves. I've been fascinated by these accounts of bodies being found uh, that have been covered over, but as uh, glacial ice recedes, these climbers who have been lost for, for decades 
are now being found. One was found in the, the Matterhorn Peak. Outwardly, the Matterhorn Peak, it looked beautiful, white, pure, clear. But underneath, there was decay and death and corruption. And we look beautiful and attractive and nice. But in all our hearts, there is sin. And we need the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can have him.